If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're continuing our, our, our series on Dare to Dance. We're talking about our relationship with the Father. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. If you're turning, as you're turning your Bibles, I will tell you a story about an older couple. You know, they were uh, sitting around in the evening and they were watching TV. And on TV, there was uh, another couple. And on, this, on the TV, as they were watching this show, the man had, had reached up and put his arm around the woman on TV. And the wife looked at her husband. And she said, you know what? You used to do that. So he reaches up. Puts his arm around his wife. Well, on TV, he, the man pulls her closer and starts whispering sweet nothings into her ear. She said, you know what? You used to do that with me. So sure enough, he pulls her closer and starts to whisper sweet nothings into her ear. Anyhow, all of a sudden, the man starts nibbling on that woman's neck on TV. And she says, you know what? You used to do that to me. Well, he jumps up. She says, oh, honey, honey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. He said, upset me. I'm going to get my teeth. <laughs> Jesus says this. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's pray. Father, open our hearts, open our minds. Help us to see clearly. Father, we live in a world that is filled with darkness. Not the darkness that we imagine, but the darkness from hearts that are closed. From people who want to be God. From people who are so lost. Who feel unloved and uncared for. Their dreams have been shattered, Father, and they see no hope. But Father, we pray, as we look inside your word, that our eyes will be open and our hearts open to what you would have to say to us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Righteousness, righteousness, we hear that word a lot. Uh, it's kind of moved into the vernacular now. If something is good, it's what? Righteous. That's righteous. Our problem is, is that righteousness, as we understand it, has to be clearly defined. Righteousness always relates to relationship. As individuals, we think, oh, I'm going to be righteous. Well, your righteousness is related to relationship. In other words, if, as I entered into a covenant relationship with my wife, I promised to love, honor, and cherish her. In sickness and in health, for richer, for poor, till when? Till death do us part. In order to be righteous in my relationship with my wife, I have to do that. Okay? We live in a world that people want right relationships, don't we? Don't we? I mean, uh, how many of us long for that relationship where we can be who we are and still know that we are loved? Isn't that what we're shooting for? I mean, that's what we see on TV, don't we? We see it uh, in the movies. 
uh, we've equated uh, the romance, uh, that relationship. But how often do we realize that Hollywood still hasn't got it figured out? You know, righteousness is really related to freedom, and I've really begun to struggle with how I define freedom. I always define freedom as being able to do whatever I want to do. That's kind of an immature way to look at freedom, isn't it? But I believe that the way God defines freedom is different. It's not the ability to do whatever you want to do, but the ability to become all that he created you to be. And those things in our lives that keep us from becoming what he created us to be. Every one of us knows that God created us for something more than what we're experiencing, right? Uh, It's true. We live in a world that is filled with this idea that freedom is just about self, just about me. It's all about me. And when you take God out of the equation, guess what? It's all about you. And we see things fall apart again and again and again and again. And when we first get married, uh, when we first get married, truth is, is that we fall in love and we fall in love not with the person, but how that person makes us feel about who? Ourselves. Yeah. And we wonder why it falls apart. Right? Because how long does it take for you to discover she don't feel the way you thought she felt? Or he doesn't feel the way I thought he felt. Righteousness. A right relationship. Every single one of us, I believe, as human beings, has a longing for righteousness. But here's the problem. If you take God out of the equation, what happens? You're constantly broken on the rocks of unrighteousness, aren't you? How many of you have had relationships that have been broken? And I'm not talking just about marriage, but I'm talking about life. Relationships. Every single one of us has had relationships that have been dashed on the rocks of reality. We see it. We see it all the time. We live in a world that thinks, well, if you've got all the stuff, you can be righteous. I mean, that's what secular humanism will teach you. But let me tell you something. How many of y'all have looked at uh, the people that have everything? How well do their relationships go? So it's not stuff that makes us righteous, right? No matter how much stuff we have, it's not going to make us righteous. As human beings, we have a problem with righteousness. We want it. But what's the problem? us. Anybody ever feel like a, um, a puppet on a string? Uh, think about your relationships. Is there something your spouse can say to you that will cause you to react? <laughs> feel, like, feel like Pinocchio before he got rid of his strings? Think about this world that we live in. 
We live in this world and the world says, this is what you need. They will tell us that we need new cars, new houses, new stuff. If we just have that stuff, we will be what? Happy. And so what do we do? They pull the string. We reach into our pocket, pull out our billfold and say, make me happy. Huh? But it doesn't work, does it? Jesus said, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I think our problem is that in the world, the world tells us that what's going to satisfy us is Twinkies instead of good food. Have you noticed that? The world says if you just marry the right person, if you have just the right car, if you have the right bank account, if you eat, if you drink Coke as opposed to Pepsi, or, or you root for Alabama as opposed to Auburn, then it's going to make us what? Happy. But it doesn't. See, I think our, our, we live in a world where we're broken. And we fail to realize that as long as we're broken and we're trying to fill our heart with the wrong stuff, we're going to be puppets on a string. Constantly frustrated. Constantly in battle. Constantly reacting to the world. And I don't think God's wanting us to operate in a, in a mode of reaction. Anybody have good reactions when you're in crisis? That's a real problem, isn't it? When we get into conflict, how do we react? Retaliation. Retaliation. You hit me on my cheek, I'm going to what? Hit you back, Right? And remember, we talked about meekness. Meekness is not weakness. It's the ability to operate in love. And the key to everything for us as human beings is understanding that God loves us. Because that's the foundation. And that's the foundation for righteousness. It's not that we loved God, but that He loved us. Us. Let that sink in for a second. Does God love you because you drive a Hyundai? A Chevy? Does God love you because you live in Alabama? <laughs> Why does God love you? Because that is his character. That is his heart. He doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us because he is love. See, the thing is, is that if we're operating from fear, and remember, love and fear don't inhabit the same place. And that's where we see in our relationships, and when I talk about relationships, I'm talking about righteousness. When we operate from fear, what happens when something goes down? We respond in fear, or we re react in fear. 
And I think God is wanting us as human beings, as his children, to stop reacting and start responding. When we begin to experience crisis or conflict in our lives, that's the time that we take a step back. Remember, take a step back. Because you want to destroy righteousness? Constantly react, especially out of fear. Think about it. How many of your relationships have been broken by your reaction to something somebody said or something somebody did? Think about that. How many of you would would love to go back and take that step back and say, you know what? Rather than react, I want to learn how to respond in love. Respond in love. Blessed are the righteous. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, I believe the world longs for righteousness. I really do. But our problem is, is that we think that by seeking stuff, seeking things, or seeking power, because look, let's look at how the world operates. What does the world seek? Right relationship or power? Can I tell you something? If in your relationship, your goal is to control, can I tell you something? You are not operating from love. The opposite of love is not hate. People will tell you, oh, if you hate somebody, then, 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 then you can't love. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is control. Look at relationships that we see. Do you know where abuse comes from? Abuse comes from fear. Did you know that? You're trying to force that person into do, to becoming what you want them to become. Or they have threatened you so that it's so scary, the only way you can respond is out of what? Fear. And we're focused on trying to control. That's what the world wants to do. But yet, where there is love, there is what? Freedom. Freedom. I know I've done a little bit of counseling in, in my life, and I will see couples, and they will say, I hate them. I hate her. I hate him. Can I tell you something? There's hope. Do you know that? There's hope. But where there's abuse, where there's fear, or where there is abandonment, there's a problem. The world seeks to control. God seeks to love. For us to abide in his love, that was the point of Jesus. God is saying, I love you. But as human beings, when we operate from fear, what do we try to do? We try to control. 
We want to what? Pull the strings. And somebody will say, well, well Brother Dan, if you're operating from love, you, you, you're not going to be involved. You're going to become passive. You're not going to want to make things change. Can I tell you something? There is no greater power on the face of the earth than the love that God places in our heart and in our life. And it's much better to respond to a crisis in love than react. Our tendency as human beings is somebody does something to us or we see something happening. We want to respond like who? Clint Eastwood. Go ahead, punk. Make my day. And what does that leave you with? Death. Destruction. But what does love do? Love gives you the ability to see better than anything else. Now, I'm not talking about infatuation. Please do not equate love with infatuation. It's not. Love has the ability to see. And it has the ability to see more clearly than anything else. And what overcomes fear? Love. Perfect love. And where does perfect love come from? God. You know, as we go through life, I wonder how many of y'all are guilty like me in thinking that, oh, I can just react. I can react. I can react. Where God is calling us to respond. Because Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and whose righteousness? His righteousness. And what is His righteousness? It's that cross. It's where God invades our world and lays everything on the line to let us know that we are loved and to demonstrate that love is more powerful than sin. Everybody here wants a better relationship. And, and we talk about this stuff in relationships and I, I really think there's a big error going on right now. We talk about, you ever heard the wor word love tank? Yeah, you know, you got to have your love tank filled. You know, and it becomes a responsibility of the spouse to fill your love tank. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? I just want to make sure. Uh, love tank is this idea that, that you have a reservoir in your life that you want to feel loved and you expect your spouse to keep that love tank full. Now, anybody here been married more than 10 years? Okay. That person in your life has always kept your love tank filled, right? <laughs> She's not in here. It's safe. Oh, she rewatches. Oh, okay. 
The idea is that this other person is going to get, make us feel better about ourselves. We're going to feel loved. Here's the problem. Apart from God, there is no one that can keep your love tank full. There's no one that can keep your love tank full. Only God can do that. Only God can keep your love tank full. Only God is the one who's going to say, I love you. Even when you do stupid stuff. Right? He's the only one that can keep your love tank full. We, we have this term called the looking glass other. Whoever is most significant in your life is who you look to for your self-esteem. How you view yourself is how you believe that person in your life. The most significant person in your life views you. It's where we get the term significant other. Y'all heard that? Basically, it's this, this idea, this belief that how we think the most significant person in our life views us is how we view ourselves. So if, I, if the most significant person in my life is Chris my wife, and I feel that she thinks I'm the best thing since sliced bread, how am I going to feel? The best thing since sliced bread, right? Now, what's the problem when she's going through a hard time? She's going through a battle and a struggle. She can't do it. So where do I go to feel good about me? It's the only place I can go. It's the only place I can go. Because I know that God loves me. So when she's going through a hard time, do I react or do I respond? Because see, here's the thing, folks. Realize that person God's put into your life, when they're going through a hard time, you know who they're going to take it out on? That significant other. And you have a choice. You can react or you can respond. Apart from God, you will constantly go through life reacting. And your life will be the series of broken relationships again and again and again and again and again and again because they did not perform the way you wanted them to perform. Because apart from God, if there is no God, who's God? You. We long, we long for that relationship. That place where we can go and be ourselves. And feel loved. We promise that in marriage, don't we? But the truth is, is it always falls a little bit short. Why? Because we're all struggling. So he says, blessed are those who hunger 
and thirst for righteousness. When you're hungry for righteousness, what do you eat? Is it stuff? Is it power? Is it control? When you thirst for righteousness, what are you thirsting for? Somebody to give you what only God can give? You know what? You can survive on Twinkies. But it's no way to live. See, God demonstrated His love for us. When we were perfect and had it all together, no. God demonstrated His love for us. And while we were His adversary, sinners, broken, messed up, arrogant, and trying to be God not only to ourselves but everybody else. He demonstrated His love for us when that's where we were. And that love, when we receive it, when we accept it, and know that we have a safe place. We have a hiding place. When everybody else is in a nightmare, we can go to our daddy no matter how bad it is and know that we are loved. And because we are loved, we can love others. Thanks for joining us. We would love for you to connect with us online. On our website, you'll find up-to-date information about everything happening around here. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please, download our free app on your smartphone or tablet. We are so glad you're here today. We hope you feel at home, and we hope you enjoy your Friendship North experience.